Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and we're on the, we're on the internet calls today down to the uh, New Orleans, Louisiana area. And uh, we have a killer guitar player. He has uh, been in that New Orleans scene for... I guess we'll get into that. You've been down there for a while, Billy. But uh, Billy Ayuso, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good, buddy. And so, man, I just wanted to like tell me a little bit about the the start of the the music journey for you, man. Like, tell me about growing up. Was it always music? Yeah, it was always music. Um, I grew up in a family that my mom and dad split up when I was young. And uh, my mom remarried a lot of like once, but traveled with her new husband. Um, he was in the airline business. So I moved every few years. So music was kind of a best friend in a way. Um, dog, my dog and music were like, you know, like every time I got somewhere and established some friends, I was moving somewhere else. So I think that's kind of the bond I had with it. Um, and uh, in my high school years i decided i wanted to move back with my dad so i could have like a one high school experience you know um mm-hmm. I was living in texas at the time i from the age of seven i had moved from the new york area to ohio miami texas and then my mom moved to california and that's where i split and i went back up where my dad was up in connecticut at that time um, and i finished high school up there so covered a lot of ground fast I did, and it was an interesting um, identity crisis, too. I mean, you know, I'm born an Irish, Italian, New York, you know, couple generations out, mm-hmm. and I was in, you know, rural Florida and rural Texas, and, uh, you know, so it was, it was an interesting, I see it as a benefit now. I hated it as a kid, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, man, I could, uh, and just all those different places man of i could just kind of see it being a good learning experience when it came to uh like a a great american landscape when it comes to honing an instrument yeah it was it was interesting um you know but by the time i had gotten back in high school i was kind of listening to like deep purple and like the older heavy rock um stuff more than anything zeppelin of course and stuff like that but deep purple was a big play for me um and then uh when i got to connecticut there was this whole genre of deadheads and that i you know just really (laughs) kind of fell into and they took me to my first show up there and you know i you know now i've seen over 200 some odd shows with jerry and uh it was you know that was obviously very influential on my perspective of music um yeah really the interact my dad is a deadhead but i was never i was that was dad's music so i kind of just i dug songs but i never got into it and then i went with some friends and just the interaction between the audience and the band was what really just grabbed me and that, that was like whoa this is it you know i've always i always was in the garage faking along to records when i was a kid but this was where it was like oh i want to play music and i want to do what they do yeah man and like that whole the way that they would do a show with the wall of sound. I mean, everything that, that they, they were brilliant. <laughs> Looking back on it, they, they probably were considered crazy at the time, but yeah, now look, look, look at everything they've changed in music as far as recording and taping and the concerts and the multiple concerts and stuff like that. It's pretty amazing. Um, so, and the catalog of music alone that people are making livings off of now who were you know, yeah, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many uh, successful deadhead cover bands there are in this area. You know, who will they'll play? You know, they play every weekend. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. It's a, it's an. I mean, I have one here that I kind the Ico All Stars, which is was a brainchild of me when I was like, you know, when the dead wasn't super popular in New Orleans, and uh, but I had friends with Willie Green who had played with the Dead and the Neville Brothers, and I was just like. 
I was pulling from those people and just doing a tribute to them. And now that band has taken off. I mean, it's a lot easier to book than my original band. Um, so how about that? Yeah. And it's also like with that, I've, I played in like a, a, a dead cover band and boy, the, the identity of it is once you begin doing that, that's all there is. You, you can't, you can't pull away from it. <laughs> Whether you want to or not, <laughs> yeah. it is. It's a, it's a, if you're going to go in there, you sword. better be happy about it. <laughs> it's my whole career has been a double-edged sword with that. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love the catalog. I do it. I would know I do it. Well, I am comfortable in that zone, but you know, I have 13 original records. So it's like, I have this other side of me that I like to do. And yeah. so sometimes it's a, it's a, you know, it can be a double-edged sword, but thankfully I do enjoy playing that catalog and it is something I can do. And it also helps me pay my bills. I mean, that's the reality of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Music's I, a lot. You know, there aren't promoters out there testing the waters with new original bands. It's more of a, they got to make their nuts. So they, you know, it's easier to market something like a dead cover band than it is an original band. So, yeah. The way it is. You know, I, I could just imagine, you know, like on a, on a weekend night, New Orleans or in that area, just, man, people just want to go out and move and, Probably just something, and probably just something that they already know. They already yeah. know how to move to it. It's kind of the way that the whole the new generation of music listeners is. They kind of like to be with something more familiar. There's, I mean, there are people tapping into new music definitely, and that'll never change. But it's yeah. it's definitely a it's a post on Facebook. I went to this type of event instead of I heard this one song and I got to see that band. And that's kind of sad in a way, because I grew up in a world where like, I just heard one song from a band and I was looking at their tour schedule. So, and then that's how I learned to become fans of all these different things. I mean, I love, I love all kinds of music. I mean, I'm pretty wide open on music and especially when I perform originals, my original show, the things I die from are the only thing that I take from the Grateful Dead is the vibe, um, the improvisation, the freedom. But I I like it. They were very original at what they did, even when they covered things. And that's kind of how I feel I want to be. You know, I want to be original yeah. when I take them from somebody else. So. so 13 of your own records. I think that's what it is now, yeah. That's Man, that's a healthy catalog, man. That'll be prolific. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, man, uh, well, Take it back to, um, man, what was it What was it like in that experience when you realized that you could craft your own songs and that first record, man? Tell me about that experience. Well, I started writing when I was young and in high school, and I had a band that we did a lot of covers, but I, I always had one or two original songs that had popped out. I mean, I even recorded one of the songs I wrote when I was 16 on this last record, So, and I'm 55 now, so it's kind of crazy to do say that, but I the real band that took off for me was brides of jesus and that was about uh four or five years after high school i guess i was in my early 20s and um i was living in providence rhode island living in my rehearsal space <laughs> and uh, we were in the middle of downtown where there was three big venues and we'd get called for every opening act i mean i opened for bb king the counting crows i mean you just it crossed the gambit of people i opened for so it, it kind of put me quickly into a bigger game instead of just working a little club circuit i was doing tons of opening acts for big names and that um and uh, that's where we really got bit with the original bug and we were playing in Birmingham, Alabama, and Johnny Sandlin came out to see us. And he was the producer from the Allman Brothers. He did the first three widespread records. Um, so he was hot at the time. This is early 90s. He had done widespread and aquarium rescue unit and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He saw us and he offered to produce my first record. So we went down to Muscle Shoals in Decatur, Alabama, and recorded our first record. Um, you know, and I had. Colonel Bruce Hampton on that record, the Muscle Shoals horns, David Hood played bass, who's the legendary Muscle Shoals bass player. Um, and I was, you know, 23, fresh-faced, green as could be. And um, you had to be walking in a dream with that. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. We spent like a month there. We lived in a condo, and it was like just, you know, what we dreamed of. And it was great. And, you know, that landed us. We got a pretty good record response, and uh, I was opening for – 
widespread and blues traveler and spin doctors and all the bands hootie and the blowfish and uh dave matthews we were on dave matthews tour when he blew up we were started that tour in a van and then he finished it in a tour bus playing theaters it was it was pretty amazing so um, i had a i had an early start and and put me in a position to meet a lot of players that i was just buying their records and people i'm friends with today i mean brides of jesus open for the meters and that's how i started my relationship with new orleans so and that's incredible so like just to kind of continue walk down the the brides of jesus uh so from and that was like a funk uh jam band like it was one of the first which is so prevalent all over the place today you know i mean it's a very popular genre now but back then there was not many of us doing that you know i'm we were playing sissy strut and stuff like that in the early 90s to people and they didn't know what it was it was just you know um and it was starting to grow so that was kind of that vibe and then when i Brides had a lot of band members through the years. People dropped off. There was one core group that lasted the majority of it, and then I kind of splintered along towards the end, and Russell Baptiste joined the band, um, and that brought me to New Orleans. Um, it was in, like, 96 I came to New Orleans. and uh, th- So Ooh. I tried to limp along with the band for another couple more years, and then I just decided to drop it all. It was It felt bastardized at that point to me. It was like me just putting it back together all the time. So I started fresh and at that time i was offered a job working for the neville brothers and the meters as on their production team as stage manager or tech and tour managing i did all different jobs um so i took a few years and did that with them and uh that was very beneficial i needed a break from being the lead guy and performing and uh i learned the other side of the stage and it was an honor to work for those people. Like they, I was a fan and they wanted me to be a part of their family. So I went and did that. And, um, but I missed it. I missed the bug of playing. I was standing on the side of the stage a lot of nights and it was great. So I finally got back into it. And that's when I kind of went under my own name with Billy. I and restless natives. And, um, and I focused a little more on songwriting than just groove and funk, um, at that point too. So to what's led me to now, which, you know, I feel like I'm more of a singer songwriter who can, jam <laughs> right yeah so i mean i'm just about you but i'm i'm a fan of the song first and the jam second like i love a good jam but i like it to be connected to something so yeah yeah like uh you gotta it's the content of the of the song needs to be good then then the jam can can really do yeah, it kind of like the icing on it for you but the, if the cake oh, yeah. good, it doesn't matter so that's it yeah that's you know? it oh well, man just coming from that that background you've lived all all across uh the united states man uh just a little bit about your personal sound of how would you how would you sum up the the latest latest record the latest record is um it was inspired by the pandemic i mean when we were all sitting home i started streaming every wednesday night um and i remember that yeah, as former revenue, and it it made me dive back into my old days of open mic nights and stuff like that. And I have a, I wouldn't call myself a human jukebox, but in the in the jam world, I know a lot of songs, and I just started diving back into them. And with the help of iPads and stuff like that, to be able to remember all these lyrics of three hundred some odd songs and streaming, I kind of dove back into that world and started finding stuff my own material cover material that just felt right and i wrote a couple new songs and i said let's just put them down and so we recorded that record in my house which was cool oh yeah brought an engineer that i've worked with buddy bunch of times david farrell he's pretty famous down here he worked on many great records over the last 30 years here um and he set up some preamps and and pro tools rig in my house and we spread out across the living we put the drums in the living room and me and the bass player were in my studio that i'm in now and set up the mixing board in the kitchen and it w- and we so we used all the instruments that i have in the house um so that was kind of cool and it gave it a vibe and i i really wanted to press this on vinyl because i wanted a side a and a side b so it's mm-hmm. it has that feel it has, like I said, there's one song on there that I was 16 when I wrote. There's another one on there when I was 20 when I was wrote. Stuff that I had recorded with Brides that I didn't like the way it turned out. And uh, I've recently revamped the band to where 
I have two backup singers now, um, and okay. I've got that in. So it's a, we're a four-piece band, you know, keyboards, drums, bass, guitar, but then I brought two girls in to sing backup. And that, surprisingly, you think of backup singers as kind of just fluff to in most situations, but from a music standpoint, it freed me up so much to like mm -hmm. not worry about singing all the choruses and to where I could do with other things I could do. And I think it's just blossomed the, the band. Um, we also really get along great. We're all good friends and it's, it, it, the vibe comes from the stage out. It's, it's natural. It's not forced. It's really fun. And that's just maturity and how long you've been doing it. I can kind of pick people nowadays that I know I'm going to be able to work with. And yeah. And man, I, that's that's one thing I've learned, like just singer songwriter over the years and incorporating more people into the act is it is that idea of I figured out that uh, I can step into the creative side of a of the project that I haven't been able to get to yet because I've been trying to be everything. Yeah. And then you finally free yourself up a little bit and it just makes everything better when you stop trying to be everything. And I mean, I'm only everything because it's out of necessity. I mean, yeah. you know, I would love to have people on the team making the phone calls, driving the vehicle, all that stuff. But this out of necessity, mm -hmm. we do this. It's pretty much on me to get it all done. But like you said, just those little simple things that I, I don't have to worry about anymore has really shown. And I, I'm proud of the new record. I think it's some of my best work and I hope I'm only getting better. I think the way I look at my albums, I... I don't really listen to anything before tripping over dragons uh, record. And that to me has like four good songs. And then the next album after that has about six good songs. The one after that's got eight. And now I feel like we got one that kind of has a solid good 10 songs on it. So it's just a process. Yeah, man. That's awesome. So like just uh, back with the meters of uh, mm -hmm. working with them on stage, moving down to New Orleans, like what are what are some of the biggest lessons? I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, being on the other side of the stage and not performing. Uh, man, what else would you say that they kind of taught you maybe about New Orleans? Slow down. <laughs> Slow yeah. down is key. Um you know, I, I, over the years, I mean, I'm very close with George Porter. Um, we've worked together as players, band members. I've worked for him as his tech. I've worked for him as his tour manager. We just have a really unique relationship. And, of course, Art Neville, too, who's passed. I was very close with him. Um, I mean, they just kind. I just kind of watched their interactions and the way they work and um, to the sheer joy of it to try to make sure that you put that in it every night and forget that you're not playing out there to perform, to get a record deal or whatever. You just sometimes up there because you played an instrument because the, the, like the pureness of picking it up when you're a kid and enjoying it, you know, um, carrying that through after 50 years of playing the same thing um, is important. Um, and the respect on stage using your ears is huge. Um, a lot of players are schooled. A lot of people are learning on YouTube these days, but one thing you can't be taught is how to interact with players on stage. And it's really listening and the respect you give. And uh, that's something I learned definitely from those guys. Yeah, dude. Uh, absolutely. That and you know, play, you don't have to play be by the, ear. <laughs> right. But you don't have to be the best player either. You just got to go know what you do well and do it right at that point. Um, you know, like I, I don't consider myself a guitar player of the standards of most of the cats in this town. Like there's guys out here that just smoke me, but I'm confident in what I do and know where I fit in to make it work. And that's important. I think identity and knowing who you are is key. When I spend time with your, your music today, and uh, it may have not have always been this way with you, but like with the, the sound that you have now, uh, it's very, it has that New Orleans feel to it. So I, I feel like you've really uh, let the culture and the sound of that town kind of envelop your guitar style. Uh, has there ever been like times to where you've, you know, you had that New York style and you felt like you were embellishing everything and rolling it all together? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if my style has even changed at all. I've gotten better. Yes. But, um, I don't know my style. I've always drawn from the same people as far as what I wanted to sound like. Um, yeah. Tonal wise, I've always gone for like the Gilmore or the uh, 
Santana sound more than the Jerry sound. Um, the Jerry stuff comes natural to me because over the years it's been so ingrained in me. Now I find it natural to play some of that stuff, but it used to be, I couldn't play a solo in a Jerry song for the life of me for years. I had to stay pretty blues based for a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, I opened for BB King in the nineties and it was the first night I ever played lead guitar by myself. I've always been a second guitar player when I was younger. Um, I love playing rhythm rhythms fun to me. Um, and BB uh, King just told me get a good sound and amp, and when you hit a wrong note, smile and slide up a fret. <laughs> and I'm yeah. still using that advice today. I mean, I hit a wrong note, I just go one fret up, I'm good. <laughs> there was uh, I don't remember the bassist that done it, and uh, he was just talking about uh, playing playing the bass and how there was not a wrong note, kind of like to what you were saying. He's like, even if I hit a wrong note, as long as I'm within the vibe of the song. It don't matter. You ain't you ain't gonna catch it as long as I'm smiling and moving on. I mean, they're really. I mean, I, I I'm people argue with me on this, but there's no rules in music, right? I I don't believe there's rules in music. There are players out there that believe there is a structure you need to stay in within. But I mean, come on, did Miles Davis have rules? I mean, and we look at him as this, you know. So it I. If it's if it, you can tell when it's not working, <laughs> and that should be the only rule, <laughs> you know, that's it. If this doesn't work, move on, right? So, yeah, uh, you look back at your own stuff and you're like, Well, that was, I mean, I'll be honest, but most of my records, some of the mistakes are my happiest points of the records, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, so, happy, happy little accidents, you know? yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. We've talked a little bit about your influences. Uh, has, is there any that we haven't covered yet? Uh, you talked about Santana and Jerry Garcia and those cats. I mean, I take from a lot of things. If you ask me what I listen to 80% of the time, it's reggae. I love reggae. Okay. But it's not something, you hear elements of it in my music, but I, I don't feel comfortable playing reggae because I'm not a reggae musician. I I can skank along in, in a, in a, you know, a, steer it up type of way you know with a jam band sound but as far reggae is just one of those things that i listen to for the enjoyment um and there's i go deep with the artists there i love i love classic country you know i like george jones and willie nelson and that type of vibe um i'm a huge jason isbell fan i love his lyrics and uh, mm -hmm. i like he paints a picture with his songs and um I'm all over the place on music. It's it's just about as long as it has soul, I'm, I can pretty much dig it. You know, I love Cuban music. Um, there's just a lot of different things I dig, and there's a lot of stuff I cannot play. I mean, I'm not I'm not a schooled musician. I taught myself with a record player and a guitar, or learning next to my buddy. I never studied it. I never like learned the scales properly, and <laughs> I wish I did. I, I, you know, it took me till I was in my forties before I started dabbling in real scales and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, like I said, if it wasn't fun and it didn't feel right, then it wasn't working for me. I got into music so I could have fun. It wasn't. <laughs> it seems like there's levels to it when you're, when you're learning your instrument, especially when you start by ear, it's, um, you can get, you can go as far as your buddy is, but, until you start unlocking like the scales and a little bit of theory, you're going to hit roadblock after roadblock. Yeah, you are. And, and sometimes <laughs> I mean, I feel like the way I learn is a little dyslexic because I use these and I do it when I'm figuring out tips at restaurants and everything else. I have this way of thinking that's not school book. Um, and like you said, I've learned theory and scales on accident finding it in a song that i had to learn a part for not really mm -hmm. sitting, nailing the scale in my head you know what i mean and i still can't go on a fretboard and tell you all the notes i mean i can i can think about it but it might take me 30 seconds when i get in just in an unknown territory um but you know the biggest the biggest thing that got me confident and good was I was pretty fearless and i've done so many artists at large where i got thrown in with people you know um you know, of course, George Porter, I mean, you know, you sit on a stage with him, you better just hold your own. And so over the years, I've learned to find my spots and just be confident what I do. I did get to sit in. I was the first person to ever play on a Steel Pulse original. They decided they, wanted, they were going on jam cruise. So they were starting to te test the waters with guests and they played in New Orleans. And I've been friends with them for years. And uh, 
they asked me to play on roller skates. I was first person to play on a Steel Pulse original. And I, I was, that was, to me, that's a highlight. I played with Wyclef one night. That was a lot of fun. You know, oh, that's incredible, just, dude. I like some different things like that. I've been blessed. I mean, I really, I've played with you know, Fred Wesley, Bill Kreutzman, Paul Barrere. I mean, I get it, the, the list goes on. I've, I've been blessed when it comes to that. It's been, and I'm still a fan, you know, so it, it, it's like geeking out sometimes, but still. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine and like what that like like you said with holding your own, like what that has done where <laughs> you're kind of outside of your box of like what you like to play, like such as the blues or more of a jam band and be like, Oh, we got a little jazz here. I gotta I gotta do a little improv. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you fall, sometimes you don't. I mean, you know, sometimes you learn something new. I mean, it's I like that challenge. That's a New Orleans thing. Everybody here is pretty competent. I mean, you you walk into a bar to your friend's gig and they're like come on up and you're like yeah. what are we playing oh it only has seven chords you know like okay <laughs> you know yeah, so you, yeah. <laughs> you get good at it and i i mean i'll toot our horn down here i think we're the best at it i think that there's great players all over the country but on a sit-in situation cold new orleans got all y'all beat i'm sorry <laughs> i dude i i don't know if i'll disagree with that i mean that's just uh <laughs> like when it comes to like the music scene in New Orleans, I mean, that's really what I kind of think about. It's that jazz, improv, uh, just hop in, but uh, you better bring it. Yeah, or you're not going to get called up again. <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that'll be it. Yeah, and I, you know, I've I haven't played a show in uh, New Orleans or really adjacent to the area, but I couldn't imagine like a uh, singer songwriter or if you didn't have the right sound trying to get into that scene like i i see the musicianship is just such a different level down there we unfortunately don't have enough venues anymore um there was a time where you could work and everybody could come and have a little shot but venues have slimmed down and it's harder to make a buck in the business so obviously that people don't take as many risks yeah. but you know it's still here it's it's um it's changing now i mean there's definitely a, a new vibe um it grows deep here, so it, it'll never completely change. But, um, you know, it's changing a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm also getting older, so I'm also that guy, get off my lawn. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know exactly if it's changing that much or I'm just the old grumpy guy saying, oh, these kids today. But, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm kind of in the middle of the pack down here. You know, this is one of those places where you could still be almost 70 in your mid 70s and relevant musically, you know, and that's a rare, rare yeah. thing community so um yeah of uh, what i would say maybe austin or nashville kind of carries that maybe yeah yeah but uh something like that is tough to get up in years and for the scene not to turn over on itself yeah it's it's crazy uh and, and it's you know and we're coming right into mardi gras here so things go back into that yearly function you know we're like mardi gras and jazz fest are kind of always the same every year with the you know the way it changed i mean obviously jazz fest has grown immensely but um you know it is it is that when you live here you know that this is your time you know you kind of gotta hustle and then uh come july hit the road or something because there ain't nothing here <laughs> well man with your travels and uh the places you've been could you imagine setting up shop anywhere else but new orleans no this is so naturally my home um and that's something I searched for my whole life, I guess. And um, unconsciously, I when I came here, I toured here multiple times before I lived here and played. And, and being friends with New Orleans musicians, I always kind of had a little in, but not until I lived here. And, you know, I've been here since January of 96. And, you know, I was brought here by the Meters and the Nevilles and stuff. So I kind of was, I kind of got the key to the city early. Um and but now looking back at it, I mean, you know, look, 55 years of life, I've been here 26 or something like that. That's a lot of my life. My three kids are from here. You know, I've been lived in the same house for 20 years. So it's it. no, I can't imagine it. The next the next stop, obviously, is the Caribbean. <laughs> so, you know, that's uh, I can't imagine saying, oh, you know, what? I'm going to go move to, you know, New York or ohio or something no this is yeah. it. yeah i got you maybe about, uh, colorado like far away from people and when i get in that stage but no you know this is it i'm 
I'm not a cold weather guy either anymore. So, oh brother, dude, I thought I was, and then a couple of weeks ago it was getting, <laughs> it got down and like to the uh, the teens, and I was like, am I? We got 28 here too <laughs> last week, and it was like, oh my goodness, and you know, you, you're in Mississippi, so the house yeah. is. It doesn't matter how much heaters you have on; it's still cold. You know, it's yeah, it just ain't made for that. <laughs> no, you're wearing hoodies in the house and gloves, and I mean, it's. Yeah, it's been crazy, and and today is in the seventies. So, you know, go figure. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's uh, <laughs> just beautiful day. Yep, exactly, yep. man. I haven't been to Mississippi in a while. I used to play there quite often, and it's kind of like I haven't I haven't been up there in a while. It's weird. Uh, Momsen, who connected uh, you and I, who put me on yep. you. Um, yeah, I actually really, had to make sure my beard was looking good today. <laughs> I, I I think that uh. That's what kind of re-spurred everything is you had recently ordered some balm mm-hmm. and I, I was, I just happened to be there and he was like, man, when are, when are you going to get Billy on the show, man? I, I've been wanting to hear his story. He's like, I've, I've known the guy for, for a while and I've, I've always just wanted to hear his story. And I was like, let me breach back out to him because he said he would do it in the past. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem doing that. I, I, you know, I mean, I'm from the world. Trust me, I mean musicians. We have an ego. There takes an ego to get up there, but I, I'm yeah. pretty regular. I, I like to talk to the, the, you know. There's some guys that just don't do those things and stuff. I don't, I don't see that. I, the one thing I've always loved about musicians is when I met these guys that I put on this pedestal when they were just as cool as your next door neighbor or down to earth. I was like, now that's that's the guy. You know, I aspire to be as a musician. I kind of want to mm-hmm. be. But you got to know your worth too. I mean, you got to have a little bit of an ego and swag to kind of ask for what you need when you're playing and get the type of situation you want. So it's a fine line to walk. But I mean, yeah, and you guys, the Munson guy has been great. I mean, I just reached out randomly. You know, I, when I grew my, I've always had a beard, but I grew it out to this now. And like, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I got to step it up. So those guys hooked me up and I was. I got my beard trimmed at a local joint here and they were carrying their stuff. And, uh, and I reached out to them. I said, man, I love this stuff. And if I find something I like, I'll tell people. And I, I did, and they've been so kind to me. And so it's, it's kind of cool. I, you know, I, I told them I'd come up and play at some point. I'd be down to do that if we can make it work. So that's, that's what I was going to say, man. Like whether it be at Munson and bros or at the, uh, the Columbus art council, man, I would love to uh, have you up here one weekend to play for us. Yeah, I would love to do that. I would definitely be down to do that. I mean, I would love to see you in Clarksdale with some of those cats, you know. That would be cool. <laughs> That'd be real cool. I got lucky last year. I went to Puerto Rico to play a gig, and I the budget didn't have me bringing anybody. It was like I was either going to do it solo or whatever. And I I'm, went online and searched some players, and I found a percussion player and a piano player. And we could barely communicate. One, well, they spoke English better than I speak Spanish, that's for sure. And uh, but musically, boy, that was so much fun. And the world that they come from, and their take on my music was so. Oh man, it was it was great. So I, I love being thrown into those mixes. I would love to come up and play with like the real blues cats, who you know. Yeah, a uh, friend of mine. He just moved back to Clarksdale from uh, Texas. He's originally from France, but uh, oh wow. Uh, First person that he about met when he got here in California was Shooter Jennings. Oh, interesting. And so that eventually led him to the Texas and Oklahoma scene. And mm-hmm. then he became enamored with the Texas blues and that would lead him to Mississippi. And now he's he's kicking it at Clarksdale, getting getting a true Mississippi blues experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean I had I totally get that. I kind of followed the, I mean, I went where i wanted to learn from when i was young you know like that's kind mm-hmm. of you know i mean you can't really learn it till you're in it or it's easier to learn it when you're in it you can do it i guess <laughs> yeah dude and i like that mississippi river i just think there's something about it and you, you, i mean new orleans sitting right there at the at at the end of it before it spills out into the gulf and even talking about bb king up in chicago with that style of blues like just everything that you're exposed to i blame it all on that river man there's something in the water for sure yeah i mean you know throughout history water has really brought all the cultures out of things if you think about it i mean port cities in general food i mean everything is around 
how the water moved things and uh it's important and that's you know that's one of my other passions i love to dive i love the water i mean i spend a lot of time oh, wow. in the caribbean i i love that's my when i was a little kid i wanted to be either a rock star or a marine biologist so you know kind of doing a little bit of both i mean I, miami dolphins are my favorite team i mean i'm just like i always pick things because of the water so yeah i'm also aquarius <laughs> <laughs> so. well dude uh like Tell me a little bit about that, like the scuba diving and all that. You had it. You ever had any kind of close encounters, or no? No, I'm I'm pretty timid when it goes to scuba diving because of the ear factor. I don't like to go, you know, more than oh, all the pressure. Yeah. Um. No, but I've I've done it. My wife and I do it together at times. But I've done it for God. I've been doing it for a long time since my t- early twenties. And you know, there's just you know the Caribbean's full of great spots, you know, and they're. You don't have to be a crazy diver to see some beautiful stuff. I mean, my son and I did a shark dive in Bahamas. That was really epic. And he was like, God, I, I guess he was about 11 at the time. You know, oh, we're in the water with like, yeah, we were in the water with probably about 30 or 40 black tip sharks, about four to five foot. It was, Whoa. but the fear wasn't there, man. When we were underwater, it was wild. It was just so cool. And they had a, kind of controlled environment in a way they they put drop a bait bucket to the bottom and you sit above them and kind of watch them but they you know they come up they swim quickly fast in front of you it was pretty intense i'd like to do that again that was pretty fun yeah so, dude, just a little bit about the caribbean i mean how would y'all fall in love with that spot in the world i mean apart I've from been going to jamaica for years oh, have because of reggae i mean as a kid i went there when i was like 18 that was one of my first vacations i took myself somewhere and I've been going back and I brought my family and they love it. And we have, uh, we've been going to the grill for the last 10 to 15 years. And we've kind of built up a family of friends there. Um, I mean, we got close to buying a place there. We were like, almost did it. And, uh, I, I love it there. I love the pace of the people. I would say the people are the biggest draw for me. They're, they're a very real culture. Like they're upfront face to face type of vibe. There's no, Mm-hmm. you know about it's about daily events not planning for the future it's more of like you know what are we going to do today and we'll deal with tomorrow when tomorrow comes type of vibe and yeah you know that's a, a breath of fresh air you know i mean it I, here i had the opportunity to go down there and like uh like everything you just described i would call it's just that island life thing i mean because that's all that you really can control you can't really that's it. I mean, a hurricane might blow us away tomorrow. I mean, we just got to enjoy the day. Yeah. (laughs) I just like it there. I love the pace. Uh, I like the food. I like the people. I obviously like the music. Um, I could easily, like I said, that could easily be my next place of living. If I I can pull it off, I would do it. I wanted to do uh, three more questions and we'll walk out of the door. All right. Uh, Billy, like someone who is... 15, 16, 17 years old, just picking up a guitar. <laughs> Man, what would you say to them? Mm. I do it for the love. Do it for the love of it. You know, don't don't get pressured by all the other aspects of it. Do mm-hmm. it because you like to do it. Yeah, that's it's kind of like that Mark Rubin approach. I, I heard like uh, a short from his podcast, and he was talking about the difference between it being art and commerce. Was uh, even the approach of you writing a song? If you're doing something for yourself, that's art. If you're doing it for someone else, that's commerce. Yeah. And he was like, "You got to keep it real." In the end of the day, I think that'll. I mean, it's a. It's not an easy road. It really is not. And 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 I don't know. My concerns are with the young people is that there's not much of a road left uh, to really pursue it. I'm starting to see a change. You're starting to see musicians do like my son took a songwriting class from an artist that he liked. And you're starting to see that's another way of them to survive in the new thing. Because, I mean, when I was in the 90s, I was getting mailbox money. Like, you know, I was getting Mm -hmm. I didn't have the catalog I have now. I had like, you know, and I would get somewhere between two to $500 a month in the mail. Um, now I'm lucky if I see that in a whole year 
and I have a triple the catalog I had back then. So the streaming thing has crushed the income flow on selling your product. I mean, I sell, I make more money off t-shirts than I do music, which is kind of sad, but it's true. It's a fact on the road. Um, yeah. You know, uh, so I, I worry that it's so frustrating to try to do it. I mean, and you know, like pressing, nobody's buying CDs anymore. They were an affordable way to press your product. You know, you could get a thousand CDs for $1,200. Now you press vinyl, it costs three grand for 200 vinyl. You know, I mean, it's, it's just so hard to get your music out there. And then again, it's easier because you do have the streaming. So if you know how to work that, and hopefully the young generation will figure out a way to make it more lucrative for them, but it's frustrating. And I worry about, like I said earlier, the promoters always going for the sure shot. Cause back when I was growing up, there were guys who were working and there was a guy at Tipitina's back when I was young named Sonny. And he went later on, worked at the house of blues and then he retired, but he took risks. You know, I could call Sonny and I could say, look, I know I'm not going to pack the room, but I got a good band, put me in front of somebody and he would do it. And he'd give you, you know, four or $500 to make it worth your while. So you could do it. And then the fact that hotel rooms are $200 instead of 40 bucks nowadays. I mean, there's all these logistics that make it so hard to tour. I'm, I kind of feel like I was in the last generation that could do it on a shoestring budget. You know, um, you know, we would go out and the frat scene was big back then. Nowadays it's, it's DJs, you know, I mean, I would have one frat gig on a Thursday or Friday and I go play the clubs Saturday, Sunday or whatever. Mm-hmm. And frat gig would pay for the trip. You know, and um, that was a way for us to keep rolling in the Southeast back then. And, and I don't, there's not a scene like that in the Southeast anymore. I mean, I played Proud Larry's hundred times, you know, and all those places because I had a frat gig at University of Mississippi that weekend or something that could, that could put me in Proud Larry's in front of the kids that would talk about us. You know what I mean? So. Oh, dude. Uh, I don't know if that scene still exists. I don't think it does. Makes it harder on the younger musicians. But I have faith that that they'll figure out something, a way to do it. I mean, it might be just like we're doing this right now. You know, I mean, so the music can't be stopped fully. (laughs) It it can't. And, like, man, just just with, like, the streaming services such as your Spotify or Apple, and they do not pay well, but I've – you do get exposure to an audience you may have never gotten before. I don't sure. know if I don't know if that outweighs the bad. I don't think it outweighs the bad. Uh, but it is more exposure. But it just the dividends don't never come in. It's hard and because, like, I'm like you know, for me, I'm I'm I learned how to do this business one way, and then after the streaming, you had to learn to do it a different way. After the pandemic, you had to learn to do it another way, and I'm. I only have so much bandwidth of learning how to operate OBS to stream every week. And how do I get on playlists for Spotify? I mean, it is like, you know, it's out of my world. Mm-hmm. I feel like a dinosaur there. So, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, like you said, I, I have Spotify. I, I hate that they don't pay me anything, but I have to be up there because if I'm not, I'm, you know, that's how people are listening. So yep. that's it. Uh, and also like to your point, man, one of the last bands that I was in, I remember we would go do a coastal tour. We would do, uh, Gulf Shores and then Orange Beach in a weekend and do on a Friday and Saturday, do three shows. And on Saturday do, you know, a double header mm-hmm. and we couldn't afford a hotel. We were, we were sleeping in cars or going out to the parks Yeah, and like you couldn't enjoy yourself. Cause I mean, you didn't have you, your money was like it was gas and like just a little money in your pocket. Yeah, absolutely. And at this, and at this point, you're like, what? A, I mean, this this can't, couldn't have always been how it was, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, if it if you know, it'd be fine if we we all stayed single and didn't have kids and blah blah blah, and life hit us, you know, and we could just ride in the van forever and and eat it mm-hmm. the the soul food restaurant in the next town, you know, that would have been great. But as you grow and you want, you know, I don't want to sleep next to this guy anymore who, who plays keyboards in my band, you know, like I, you know, we've done all that and, and it's, I'd never take it back. It was a great experience, but you know, but that's where it's at still. I mean, it, I'm still getting offers 
that were the same in the 90s. Like, and it's kind of like, you know, inflation didn't hit this business, you know, when it comes to getting money. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's tough. And it took me a while. Like I finally, when I a few years back, I just said, I'm 50 years old. I have to just start telling people no to things instead of wanting to take the gig for money I really didn't think was worth it. But that was a uh... That was funny that we were just we were just talking about that at the open mic. We were doing uh, a couple of the songwriters would kind of get together during the breaks and just talk and uh, just talk and shop about the craft. And I, I don't guess I don't think we do it enough. It's one I'm glad the show exists, but uh, we were talking to a younger guy and like just giving advice. And one of the guys in the group said it. He was like, "Man, I think." 90% of the people will tell you this, and I think they're wrong. Don't take every show. Say sure. no. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say no. It took me forever to figure that out, though. I will say that. I I, I did it too long. Um, and it was a tough pill to swallow because there was a drought there for a minute. you know. But now I will say that when I work, it's usually under my terms, and I'm happy about doing it, and it feels good. Mm-hmm. And that reflects in the music too. So, you know, if I'm feeling good, my music's going to feel good. So, and that's important. And and I'm happy I did it because now I'm kind of at a point that I only work maybe once or twice a month now, which yeah. is different. For me. Like it's kind of feels weird, but on the other hand, when I do work, it's worth it. And I'm usually getting paid. And in the long run, it's kind of the same money. You know, I mean, I'm, I just make it quicker. <laughs> um, right. And one go. And I mean, still, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm pretty normal cat. I'm living just above the poverty level. I'm lucky to own a house, but I don't have a big savings. I, I don't drive a new car. You know, I make decisions based on financial still at 55 years old. And that's not something I expected the 20 something Billy expected at all. Um, it's been a hard road and it, it continues to be hard, but I don't, I wouldn't turn back now. So that brings me all the way back to what you said about the young kids. You got to really know what you're getting into. I mean, if you really want to go for it, it is a passion and passion has to drive you because there are some droughtful times and then there's some way high times, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it, it's something to balance. And, uh, but the kids today, the younger generation, boy, they got so many great tools. There's such good players out there. Like these young kids are just crushing it. I mean, there's so many good players out there. And my son, for example, can play bass, drums, his natural interest in drums, but guitar, keyboards, and he's oh, better. He's all over. He's he, he's fantastic. But he chose the teaching route, which is, I'm glad, you know, and he's a great teacher and uh He's a fantastic musician. And my other son, the younger one, he doesn't really play music, but he does. He fiddles around at home. He's got a guitar and piano, and he's got a fantastic ear. And like, so these these kids today, they got these tools that are really making it easier for them to really grasp on. Like, you know, theory was boring when I was a kid, man. But now, like, if I had YouTube to kind of have some mm-hmm. hip kid show me a song that I already like, you know, I man, I would have been all over it too. Um, So, you know... So just be passionate about it and try to keep it real in in a day and age when things aren't so real anymore. <laughs> well, uh, Billy, do you have a website or is there a social yeah. media that you're more active on? Where can people uh, keep up with you about where you're playing and uh, or if they want to support you, go to Bandcamp. What can they do? Well, I don't have a Bandcamp, which I everybody keeps telling me I should. <laughs> so I, I I'd, I'd probably going to look into it. But yeah, BillyIuso.com. And then, uh, you know, search me on Facebook. I have, I have a business site and a personal site on Facebook. And then on Instagram, I'm up there as well. And I, I like Instagram because, uh, people don't argue about stuff and it's just a lot of pictures and I kind of like the vibe of that better to me. Um, you know, I have all of them to, I, I have Twitter, not that I use it much or X, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, you Whatever can find, I mean, there's only, as far as I know, there's only three Billy Ayusos in the world, my dad, me, and my son. So <laughs> you'll find it. You'll find me. <laughs> All right on, dude. Well, last question to walk out of the door is, uh, did I miss anything that you would like to cover? And if not, what was your favorite part of the conversation? No, I don't think you missed anything. I mean, I'm kind of, 
I can talk and like to to com- converse, but I'm not chatty. So you, you kind of brought out a lot out of me today, and I think I got got it across. I I, I just kind of like shooting the shit about the 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 state we're in musically now. I don't think people really realize how hard it is to be an artist in this day and age, and um and to stay true to your art is mm-hmm. is, is hard and 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 soul sucking at times and i i i prefer i like to talk about that i like to people i like people to know how much goes into it so when you get to a door and someone says ten dollar cover you don't go what you know you know it should be thirty dollars it should be forty dollars i mean well you know you don't get it it's it's a lot of work um we're not just up there playing guitar for an hour you know there's a preparation that goes into this i mean i each gig probably spent i spend a, at least a week's time on each gig you know coming up with a set list, working out the songs I want to do, setting up a rehearsal phone call schedule, you know, just all the little things that go into just playing that 90 minute set. And it's, um, you know, without a team. So it's, that's the way it is. Oh yeah. I mean, you got, you're, you're your own agent or, you know, manager. Uh, you're, you're your own roadie. You're loading and unloading all the equipment. My wife is my manager. <laughs> yeah. well, you, okay, well, yeah, you got some help, you know. In life and business, so yes. Yeah, um, uh, yeah so, but I mean, like, for a lot of people, I though, I mean, you play every part, you know. Yeah, no, you're right, and it is it is like that, and you don't turn it off. It's hard to turn it off. I mean, you know, I... I the one thing, now that I'm not working every week, I do spend time, like, really working on my set lists. I used to just go up there and play songs, and now I'm planning set lists but making sure they feel spontaneous so and that's a that's that takes some task work to do and i'm yeah i'm blessed to still be able to do it though i've been uh i like uh building a roller coaster like yeah fat fast slow happy sad like just to keep everything moving i i'm all about it i'm all about it i don't want to i don't want to spend too much time making you sad or i don't want to spend too much time going happy go lucky Keep it I'll, I'll send you a, a link of our most recent show at the Maple Leaf. They did a stream. Okay. And I don't usually look back on those too often. I'll peek at them to see how they sound. But this one was really kind of the engineer did a nice job. It sounds good. It kind of the first set is just me and my band that really gives you the element of what we do. And you can check it out and I'll send you the link and you can share it with your people and all that too. So right on, dude. Yeah. That'll that'll be good. I was going to ask you if I needed a little, if I could use a little music at the end. Uh, to sure, you're more than welcome. People. Yeah, I look. I well, I like to make money off my music, but I'm I want to share it. That's what it's. That's why I created it to be shared. Yeah, so, yeah please yeah, do. Right well, uh, Billy, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it.